Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, as we are here, let's come to Isaiah 53 and let's rehearse a little bit uh, because I want to take us a little bit further in a teaching that I did on the last Sunday morning that I was here. And I'm working on a specific goal to establish the heart. We're looking at our, our faith. We're looking at what we have in our hearts, the condition of our hearts, the working of how, how uh, our hearts interact with the Word of God. And so Isaiah 53, in our last discussion, we asked the question, who has believed the report of the Lord? It says, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And these two questions are connected because to the person who believes the report, that is the person to whom the arm of the Lord is revealed to. If a person doesn't believe what God said, God can't force it on them. God can't bring it to pass in their life because they don't believe. And so we recognize that believing is our part, that, that when God gives us his provision, he gives it to us in word form. When he gives us his covenant, he gives it to us in word form. When he gives us our salvation, he brought it to us through words. And we believed on those words. And through believing on those words about Jesus dying for us and paying the price and his blood cleansing us and his, his death taking the place and substituting for our death, Surely he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement necessary to obtain our peace was upon him. We had to believe that before it began to work for us. It was available to us, but it wasn't working in us or for us. It wasn't accounted to our account. It wasn't registered to us yet until we believed on it. But then when we believed on what Jesus did, it became accounted to us. Now that salvation is my salvation. Now that healing is in my account. Why? Because I believe that by his stripes, I was healed. And those supplies, those provisions, those redemptions are accessed by faith. It says that God made them available to us through his grace, but he made it receivable by our faith. Why? So that the promise would be sure to all the seed. And I'm quoting from Romans chapter four. It is by grace that it might be through faith so that the promise would be sure or steadfast. In other words, this is not a gamble. Faith is not a gamble. Well, I'm going to try to believe God. I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to step out here and I'm going to believe God and see if it works. It's not a gamble. If I bring faith, if I, if I believe God, then it's sure to me. It's steadfast to me. Then I have accessed it. I have that faith transaction. And so we talked about a transaction 
of our faith. When you, the reason Jesus said that you have to believe, he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the words that he says comes to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. When? When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe, and you shall have them. So when you pray, that release of faith, or when you say, according to the previous verse, verse 23, you can use faith by saying, you can use faith by praying. And when you do the release of that faith by saying, or the release of that faith in that, in that vehicle of prayer, then in that moment, a transaction is made. And God has your verbal authorization that your faith has been released. And so if the enemy came and said, that's not fair that you healed Michelle, that is not fair. And God says, it's fair. I have a legal right to heal her because she said on this day, she believes she received healing in her body for that thing. And I have a voice recording with her, her voice signature stamped on it. I, she has legal right to receive that. And that's why it says, with the heart, man believes unto right standing. With my heart, I believe that shows I have the right to receive that. I have the right to receive that. That's mine by faith. Why? Because I believe Jesus did that for me. I believe those stripes were my stripes. He took them in his back for me. So I believe that. How do I get to that point of believing that? Faith. Hearing the word of God produces faith for me to believe that that belongs to me. Amen. It's not something I do in myself where I'm, I'm struggling to believe God and it's hard and I'm doing it with my mind and I'm doing it with my physical strength. No, I need to take the word and spend time with the word and hearing the word, not just by somebody else preaching it, but I can put it in my mouth and I can write it on the table of my heart because the Psalm 45, 1, the tongue is the pen of the ready writer. Proverbs says that the tablet of the heart. So I can take my tongue and I can write it and I can write it and I can write it on my heart. And it says that the word, he says, incline your ear to hear it. Keep it before your eyes so that it gets into your heart and then guard your heart. Because out of your heart flows the forces of life, the issues of life. So if I'm getting it in my heart, then faith is coming. You know, if you have a gallon of gasoline, it's not going to help your car until you put it in the tank. Not the pond, the tank. And you put it in the tank. The tank. You put the gas in the tank. You could, you could pass somebody and they're walking down the road and they got a gallon of gas in their hand. In in, in a a jug, they're walking down with that jug. That gasoline's not helping them at all. And you can walk around and you can say, I have the King James Version. I have the Amplified Version. I have the Weiss Translation. I have the NIV. I have the NTV. I got all kinds of versions. But if you've just got it in your hand, if you just got it in the pages of the book, it's not in the engine yet. It's not accessing the power. You've got to take it out of the page and get it into the heart. And when the word is in the heart, then it transforms from liquid gasoline or from printed words 
into the power. There's creative power in every word of God. The word of God is alive. It's living word. And so we need that life in our heart. How do we get it? We incline our ear to hear it. We keep that word in the front of our eyes until it gets down into the heart. And then when it's in the heart, it is in a combustible form. When you get the gasoline in the tank, you're not looking for gasoline when you put your foot on the pedal. You're looking for power. I'm, I don't care about the, I've lost all concern about the gasoline now. As long as it's in the tank, I'm not even thinking about it. What I'm thinking about right now is some get up and go. I want to put the floor, I want to put the, the pedal to the metal, right? And I want to see some power release. And that's what happens when you get your heart full, the tank of the word of God. When you get it full of the word, then you can open up your mouth, which is the power release. You can open up your mouth and uh, and there's words that are no longer just empty words or non-working words, but now those words are containing the power that's in your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is how we get it into the situation, but it has to be abundant in the heart so that it's filling your words with power. You want those words to come out with supernatural power. God's words never return to him empty, and he wants your words to have the same same result. He wants you to have the same reputation that, that Earl's words never return empty. Amen? And that Michelle's words never return empty. He wants your words to have such a reputation that you know that when I speak, the words that I speak, is that what Jesus said in Mark 11? That you must believe that the words you say come to pass? Oh, oh. Well, that means I'm going to, whatever I've said in prayer, I'm going to stay with that. I'm not going to get out of my prayer and get on the phone and say something different to some, well, you know, this thing that we're dealing with, and then, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. No, what I said, I want it to stay said. You know what Pastor wrote in his book? First words matter. Last words stand. Do y'all have that book? It's an easy read. First words matter. What I say sets the course. It's like the rudder on the ship. It's like the bit in the mouth of the horse. I can turn the situation. What I say, those first words, when they come and they, they bring an evil report, I need to set my course. When, when Pastor Caldwell and Sister Jeannie were hit in the back of their car by a tire truck and it It knocked them both unconscious. Their seats were both broken. They were laying flat in the seat. His arm, his uh, watch had fallen off of his arm. He said he started to come to consciousness and he heard somebody banging on the window of his car. And the man was saying, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And the first thing that he heard in his heart, the Holy Spirit said, be specific how you answer that. Watch how you answer that. Oh, thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. In that moment, in that moment, his head wasn't the first to hear his spirit was. The Holy Spirit right here living in his heart said, you be specific how you answer that. Are you okay? Here's his wife. He doesn't even know the full extent of what the doctors are going to say when they do an examination on her. All he knows is they've been hit, but the Holy Spirit catches him from the beginning and tells him, set the rudder. 
You be careful how you answer that. And so he opened up his mouth and he said, we will be fine. We will be okay. Do you see that? Now he set the course. Hallelujah. There was, was it Christmas Day picnics that y'all were in that accident and there was somebody came and did they T-bone you? And in that moment, they, they had heard that story. And in that moment, they began to call the end from the beginning. They began to say, what was it you said? We'll be okay. From, I mean, as the accident is happening, as the accident is happening, he's setting the course. This is, uh-uh, it's not going to end that way. No, we will be okay. We will be okay. Hallelujah. It sets the course. Those words, we've got to believe that the words that we say can, can set the course of our life, can, can change the direction of our life. Amen. The words that we say in faith concerning Jesus' salvation open up to us eternal life. We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that heart faith and that mouth can, release of that faith causes my whole life to change. I am, I am born again because of what I believe and speak. My whole life is changed because of what I believe and speak. So first words matter, and then those words have to stand. I have to say, I believed I received when I said that, when I prayed that. So I'm not going to go and un, I'm not going to go dig that up. I'm not going to go tear that down. I'm not going to go undo what I did in that place of faith, in that place in the spirit. So our words, we want to have the same reputation with our words. God designed you to work words the way he works words. He wants your words to have the same discipline and power so that they don't return empty to you either. He doesn't want your words. I'm, I'm quoting from Isaiah 55. God said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty or non-working. But it will produce what I will. And it will accomplish what I send it to do. So we're supposed to take words to release what we want to happen in that situation. Not what we see. Your words are not you, you, you born again on, on fire for God, blood bought alive unto God person. You, your words are designed not to say what you see. That is like the least operation of your words that you could use them for. That's like, that's like having a phone and all you do is make a phone call with it. You got that $700 cell phone. Honey, learn how to sign a PDF with that thing. Learn how to do some business with it, right? And we got this power of words. We've got this spirit that's alive unto God, the spirit that can take God's. I can put God's word in my mouth. I can change some things. So why would the only thing that I do with my words is say what I feel and say what I see and say what it is. It is what it is, not in my life. Don't, don't agree with that. It is what it is. No, not in your life. doesn't have to be that way. It is what you say it will be. You, you're supposed to take things that are and bring them to naught by things that are not. 
Come on now, you can take things that are in manifestation. If debt is in manifestation in your life, you want to get it out of your life. If Sally Mae keeps hanging around your house, you want to get Sally Mae out of your house. Y'all know what Sally Mae is? <laughs> College debt, right? You wanna, you're going to have to call things that be not. You're going to have to call those things that be not as though they were until they are. You're going to have to take what is and bring it to nothing, zero it out, by what is not in manifestation. And how do I do that? I've got to believe it and speak it. Not just believe it. I've got to believe and speak. I've got to, I've got to have my words filled so it's not just speaking. It's not just, I've I got to speak to it. I got to, well, if you're speaking empty words, then, then it, you're, you're missing half the equation. Amen. The spirit of faith believes and speaks. We having the same spirit of faith, we believe and we speak. So the believing is part and then the speaking follows it. So I can't have just the speaking without the believing. So this is why we don't want to fall victim to mental assent. We don't want to think just because I've been in church and I went through FBIMA and I, I know all these verses and I've heard pastor preach 21 weeks on faith, that I'm at a level of faith and I'm speaking to it out of my mind. I'm speaking words because I memorize those words, but there's no power in my heart. There's no faith in my heart. Mental assent. Mental assent. Well, I know God's a healer. That means that that doesn't that hasn't connected you to the healing yet. You're not united to the promise yet. To say God's a healer hasn't said anything about your situation. It hasn't released faith. Well, I know too many things. There's too many scriptures in the Bible about God healing for me not to get well. You still haven't connected yourself to that promise yet. Until you begin to have present tense verbs in your declaration, I am the healed of the Lord. Now that's saying something. Because you are the one authorized to say what's happening in you. For pastor to lay hands on you, there's a help, but he can't do your part for you by his laying of hands on you. I can't use my faith to override and force on you something that is required for you to connect to it. You've got to say, I am. I am as our was were, those state of being verbs. You're declaring the state of being that you are. I was healed when Jesus took the stripes on his back. Therefore, I am healed right now. Amen. Symptoms can be in your body and you can begin to declare that I am the healed of the Lord. And what are you doing? You are bringing to naught that which is, the sickness that is. You are nullifying it. You are zeroing it out. Amen. You are zeroing it out. I've quoted it twice. We're going to look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 28. And base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen. Yes, and things which are not. God has chosen things which are not. To bring to naught 
things that are. God chose this. This is God's chosen method. God has chosen things that are not to bring to naught. The word not means to, to, this word to bring to naught is a phrase that means to deprive of force, influence, or power, to cause it to cease, or to put an end to it. What is it that you need to put an end to in your life? What is it that needs to be driven out of your life? Maybe it's an issue with your anger. Maybe it is uh, uh, thoughts that come against your mind and make you, and make you feel down. Maybe it is financial. Maybe it's physical. Um, you have access to this method. God chose it and he chose it for us. He has chosen that we take things which are not in manifestation, things that are not yet in, in play or active in our life, and I bring them into the situation through my believing and speaking, and I cancel out or I deprive of influence and power. I cause it to cease. I put an end to it with things that are. The, to, to those things that are, I bring an end to them. Hallelujah. So the other day, Liliana had a glass of milk and I, I was cleaning the kitchen and I was cleaning off the table and I took her little glass of milk and I put it in the sink and there's a little bit of milk still at the bottom of the cup. And I turned the water on and the water began to pour into that cup. And I, I walked around and I'm doing some other things, getting some other dishes off the table and I come back and there's no milk left in that glass because what came into the glass drove out what was in the glass, cleaned out what was in, it, it moved it out and it made way. So you bring healing in through believing and speaking and it's going to drive the sickness out. Hallelujah. You bring abundance in through the believing and speaking, and it's going to drive that lack out. You bring that freedom in, that liberty in. You bring in the redemption truths of God into, into your heart, and it's going to drive out anything that's trying to hold you down. It's going to break that. Hallelujah. So this is God's method. God chose this method. So, so this believing and speaking is a supernatural way to change the situation, a supernatural way to affect the situation. Hallelujah. The believing is a connection. Believing is the uniting to the truth. We saw a couple of examples that showed, for instance, in Romans chapter 11. In Romans 11 and verse 20, we see that the, Jew, the Jewish people, they were cut off. It says, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. And specifically, he's talking about they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. They don't believe Jesus has, that the Messiah has come yet. They don't think Jesus was the Messiah. And so they are cut off. They are disconnected from this covenant supply, because to be connected to it, you got to believe. 
You got to believe Jesus is the one that he is the son of God, that he came from God to the earth as a man and that he, our faith in him, he said, I am the door, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You can't get in the door, you can't get in any other way but the door, he's the door. So believing in him is that entryway into the kingdom of God, into the plan of God, into the family. And so they, through their choosing not to believe, they are, it's available to them. There are people who were raised in that idea, but have since seen the light and accepted Jesus, and they've gone through the door. Amen? So unbelief cuts people off. Unbelief cuts people off. And so Jesus asked in Matthew chapter 9, I just really sensed the Holy Spirit telling me not to rush. Because uh, I, I come back regularly. Amen. If I don't get it all today, but if we get what we're supposed to get, that's the most important thing. So if we review some, that's good for us, isn't it? Matthew 9, let's look at verse 27 through 30. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. Do you believe that I am able? What would have happened if they said, No, but we're willing to give it a try? I don't think they would have got what they got. This was not something that, this was not an optional part of the receiving. He said, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe? Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord, the strength of God, the moving of God's working power, his delivering power? To whom is this power, this working of God revealed to? The one who believes. If I don't believe it, God's not going to embarrass me with a healing. If, God, if I don't believe that, that he'll baptize me with the Holy Spirit, he's not going to force it on me. Amen. If I don't believe, he, he, he is not able to override my believing or unbelieving. So he said, do you believe that I am able to do this? And then they, of course, answered, yes, Lord. He touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a couple of years in my walk with God. I want it to be according to my pastor's faith. I wanted it to be according to brother so-and-so's faith. But what would happen, this is something we all need to put ourselves in this position and and recognize if we're praying about something, what if Jesus appeared in front of us as we're praying and asking God, and Jesus appeared in front of us and he said, according to your faith, Kathleen, are you ready for that response? It's according to your faith, as you have believed. Or are you saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) Is my faith ready for that? 
Do you remember the Lord told Brother Caps, don't pray about anything you can't believe me for? And Brother Caps said, then my prayer time just got really short, Lord, because I, I, he said, I prayed such general, Lord, bless all the missionaries in China kind of prayers. There was no, there was no preparation for prayer. He had never gone to the Word and gotten the Scripture that promised him that thing that he was praying for. He was just over here praying without any basis for faith. And I think we've all done it. No, nobody needs to raise your hand, but just it, it, recognize there have been times we've prayed about things and we didn't know if God was going to do it or not. But he said this is the confidence that we have That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have. That's that's the way we're supposed to pray. So that means if I don't know God's promised it, if I don't know he has said in his will, then I need to first go find out what can I stand on about that. You know, I began to discover this and the difference between praying for other people's children and praying for my own children. There's an area of, of uh, because of my relationship with my children, because they're my children, I birthed them into this earth, I stand in a place in prayer and I execute prayers that I might not pray over your kids because I don't have that same authority. I don't have that same jurisdiction. So if you're not standing in that place of jurisdiction, who can? We stood up here today and we we stood in the gap for certain people in our families, right? We were standing in the gap. Like God said in his word, I'm looking for someone who will stand in the gap, someone who will make up the hedge. If we don't take that place, you know, I, I pray for people and I recognize they don't have anybody in their life who can contact God and pray for them. Have you ever been praying for somebody and you're like, Lord, you know, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's somebody that you see at the gas station when you go in to fill up your gas or whatever, and you're like, you have a, a sense, a burden to pray for them, and you begin to pray for them, you're like, I wonder if there's anybody in their life. Well, what about, what about your children? Who else can stand in that place and tell the devil get his hands off? Who else can stand in that place and plead the blood? I can, from a, 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 a place of authority as your pastor, to a degree, but not in the same, same level of jurisdiction that you have as the one who brought them into the earth. They wouldn't be here without you. Right? God used you to bring them into this earth. So God can use your voice of faith to to do some things in the spirit realm in prayer to cause the enemy to back off or to give God open doors to bring light into that situation. Now that's an example, but now pull it out of the example of praying for your family and, and look on that wider scale. There's some areas of our lives that without us bringing our faith to it, My pastor can't do it for me. He can teach me how to do it. He can give me the faith food to strengthen my spirit. But there are some things that I've got to take the place. I've got to take my position. I've got to stand. I've got to ask. I've got to believe I receive when I pray. I've got to take that 
The violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. I've got to exercise my place and say, Father, you have blessed me with the blessing of Abraham. I'm an heir of Abraham because I'm in Christ. So today I declare the blessing works in my finances. Hallelujah. So on a broader scale, whatever things pertain to your life, they need your faith. Every day is a faith day. Pull that book out. Every day is a faith day, right? So he said, according to your faith, are you ready to answer that question? If you are praying about something, if you are praying about something and, and you were to have that response given to you according to your faith, have you brought faith to it or are you just praying for it? Have you taken the time to build your faith about that? Have you gone to the scripture and found where that belongs to you? Have you found the basis of your faith? Have you, have you been taking that scripture and putting it in your heart to produce faith? Because you can't believe for something without faith. Amen. I'm believing for it. What scripture are you standing? I don't have a scripture. Then you're not believing yet. You're hoping for it. You're wanting it. You're desiring it. And you may even be asking for it. But for you to be asking in faith, there has to be faith that has come by hearing the word. So what scripture are you standing on to believe for that? Hallelujah. Remember, just because we've been around this teaching a long time doesn't mean that we, we have the faith in our heart about that situation. You know, the reason why I try every year to teach on the name of Jesus is because faith only comes by hearing. And you use the name of Jesus every day in your prayers. You use the name of Jesus every day against the enemy. But if you don't have faith, then it's going to end up being you're, you're calling the name of Jesus from your head. Amen. Well, in the name of Jesus. But there's no power in your heart to say, in the name of Jesus. And I'm not trying to show a different reflection, inflection of my voice. I'm trying to give you an idea that I can, I can quote it out of my head and not be connected to my heart. But if I learn that, okay, it doesn't work that way, if I'm just quoting scriptures off the top of my head without feeding on it out of my heart, the way for me to get the nutrition of it is to eat it. If I haven't been eating that scripture, that I might be, I might just be quoting it from memory and not having any force of faith to load that word with. You know, you can shoot blanks out of a gun and it'll make a lot of noise but it's not hitting any targets. It sounds like a gun, but it doesn't have the effect that the gun would have. And so when you're speaking from mental ascent, it's like shooting the blanks out of the gun. It's making noise, but there's nothing moving. There's nothing hitting that target. There's not the word, the hammer of the words not being applied to that situation to break down that rock of stubborn resistance. So that's why I have, to, I have to recognize my part of being in the Word, getting the Word in me. If my words abide in you, Jesus said, you can abide in me, but my words also need to abide in you. 
And there are a lot of people who are abiding in Christ, but the word of Christ not abiding in them, and they're not getting the results in prayer. They're not having the fruit that gives glory to the Father because they're lacking that word in their hearts. Without the word in my heart, I'm just making the noise. I'm speaking the words, but the words haven't been loaded yet. Hallelujah. We've got to load the words. And the only way for, we to, for, to, for the words to be loaded is for the heart to be full. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then he said, you will give an account for every empty, non-working word. Matthew chapter 12, the Amplified, you will give an account for every, every empty word. So if I'm speaking words, well, Lord, I spoke to it, but nothing happened. My word that goes forth out of my mouth will accomplish what I please and it will, it will do what I please and accomplish what I sent it to do. Amen. So you need to back up and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. If those words came out of my mouth, they should be accomplishing something. I said something. I spoke to that. So what do I need to do? I'm going to go back and fill my heart. I'm going to go back and load my heart because for me, I, the only way to load the bullet is to load the heart. Amen. If you get your heart loaded, if you get your heart stuffed full, your heart at the, keep it at full level. You know, there are airplanes that can come alongside an airplane and load their fuel in the air. They, they don't even have to, to land and refuel and, and then take off again. Those airplanes can fly right up next to them, load the fuel while they're both flying. Hallelujah. So what I'm telling you is you never have to, li- you never have to live empty. You never have to live half full. You just, just load all day long. Just load while you're flying. Load in the car. Put those CDs, those flash drives in the car. Get those podcasts. We got podcasts uh, preaching the gospel. You never have to be without a fresh word. You can go back and listen to previous podcasts. You can keep the word going in your house while you're putting on your makeup, while you're washing the dishes, while you're mowing your yard, while you're changing the oil in your car, whatever, folding your laundry. Keep the word going while you're cooking. Keep the word going in your ears. Why? Because you're filling it up, filling it up, filling it up. Hallelujah. So that your words are words that are full of power. So Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, in Hebrews chapter 3, we find out the real reason that the children of Israel who died in the wilderness never entered into the promised land. God wanted them in the promised land. He created and prepared the promised land for them. He never intended for them to live in the wilderness. He didn't intend for them to stay in it as long as they did. And we see clearly why they were there in that land of not enough or just enough. Hebrews chapter 3, let's look at verse 18. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that 
believe not. Who shall receive? Who, who, who has believed our report and to whom will the arm of the Lord be revealed? The one who believes receives the working of God's power. They believe not in verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. So unbelief cuts us off. It cuts us off from the supply of God. It cuts us off from receiving from him. He did not have any problem on his end to supply it or to give it to them. They had a problem on their end to receive it. They were the ones who were unable to receive what God wanted for them, what God had already made theirs. It was theirs but they never tasted of it. They never walked in it. They never, they never lived in it. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because not, not, not because of any fault on God's part. God couldn't let them in because they didn't believe him. Their unbelief shut them off, cut them off, separated them, disconnected them. Hallelujah. So Peter walked on the water. He connected to the power of God, didn't he? He connected the, Jesus said, come. He said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come. And Peter connected to that. And connected to that power, he begins to show results of that power. As he does what Jesus was doing, he was walking on the water. Had nothing to do with the wind. The wind didn't, the wind didn't blow him down. The waves didn't knock him over. Do you know what caused him to begin to sink? He he looked at the wrong thing. And that looking at the wrong thing took him out of faith and over there into doubt. Over there into unbelief. One minute he's believing and the next minute he's saying, Ooh, that's strong wind. Woo, those waves are high. Well, that strong wind and those high waves had already been overcome. He'd already proved that I can walk on the water no matter how high the waves are, no matter how strong the wind is, I'm already doing it. But instead of keeping his eyes on what Jesus said, he moves his eyes over and he starts to change what he believes. And he begins, by degree, he did not go thunk down under the water. Boom. Like a person normally would by the law of gravity. Why? Because his faith was leaving with every thought. So he was beginning to sink. Gradually. Can't go much further. Gradually sinking. And Jesus said, little faith. And that little means short duration. You started out in faith, and if you would have just stayed in faith, we could have walked back together. But that little faith, in other words, you had faith, and then it was cut off. And when the faith was cut off, the power of God wasn't moving in his his situation anymore. Hallelujah. And that's why we can stay. When Jairus, he said, Lord, if you would come and, and lay your hands on my daughter, she will live And then the waves came, and they said, she's already dead. 
That has nothing to do with her statement of faith. She will live. And Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. In other words, don't cut the faith off yet. Don't cut that faith off. Keep that faith going because the wind and the waves, her, her having already died doesn't stop. She shall live. Put your faith on what, what, where his first words matter. His first words was, if you'll, put, if you'll lay your hands on her, she shall live. He said, stay with that. Those first words are directing the course of this, how this is going to end up. So don't fear. Why? Because fear would cut off that faith. Don't fear. Only believe. And so he maintained his faith. He maintained his faith in what was already said, where he'd already connected to the promise, and he received her raised up. Hallelujah. So the faith connects us. And, and you can stay connected even when the feelings change. And you can stay connected even when the circumstances rage louder, like Jay Iris got the report that his daughter was already dead. Even when those circumstances are raging, if you'll stay in faith, if you'll keep your words in line with what those first words that you spoke, let those first words matter, those last words stand. If you'll stay right there, then you'll see the power of God's able to continue working in that situation. But if you back off of what you were believing and you give in to what it feels like and you yield to what it appears to be, well, it doesn't look like it's working. I thought I was believing God and it just didn't work for me. And a lot of people have that testimony. I, I was believing God and it didn't work for me. They cut off their faith too quickly in agreement with the wind, in agreement with the waves, in agreement with the circumstance and the situation. They began to yield themselves to that unbelief and the power of God wasn't able to continue working in that situation. Hallelujah. Let me see in this next 10 minutes if I can go one step further. Can we go one step further? Because that was all review with a little bit extra that, I, that came in. Luke 8. Luke 8 and verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. First words matter. This is setting the course. Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're going over. We're going to the other side. Where are we going? To the other side. Are we going down? No. Are we going to be defeated? No. Are we going to get lost in the storm? No. Where are we going? To the other side. Let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water. And they were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to the other side. That's not what they said, was it? Master, Master, we perish. Do you remember what the Lord said to Pastor Caldwell? Be careful how you answer that. Be, be cautious how you answer that. Watch what you say. We will be fine. 
So when he got the doctor's report that Sister Jeannie's back was broken in a couple of places, he had already said, we will be fine. He had already set the course, we will be fine. And when the doctor said, we need to take her into surgery and we need to take this metal rod the size of this ink pen and we need to insert it in her back, and she refused. She said, my back, she could still move. They were saying it was broken and if she did the wrong movements that it could sever her cord or whatever. And, and she said, no, I can still move. I'm not paralyzed and I'm not gonna be paralyzed. And she said, I'm not going to have that surgery. And she did that because she was motivated by, by God that God loved her and that he would heal her back. Amen. Now listen, when just a number of years ago, there was found a tumor on her brain. It was a benign tumor, but it was still pressing against her brain. She wanted, she said, she had peace. She prayed about it and God gave her a piece to have the surgery. So it's not that we don't have surgeries because we're in faith. If God, if God gives you peace about it, that's, that's your answer. Go with what you have peace. He leads us by peace. So it wasn't the fact that she didn't have surgery. That was the fact that God led her because it was already established. We will be well. We will be okay. Amen? So they come and they have a different report. They said, Lord, we perish. Lord, master, master, we perish. And that's exactly what the storm wants people to think, that you're going under. If, and, and the storm works to get you to talk it. It wants you to agree with what you see and verbalize it. It wants you to agree with what you feel and say it. Because if you'll, if you'll say it, now that circumstance of the storm has control of the reins. Instead of the answer of God's word, if we're talking the problem, we're giving the steering wheel to the problem. Now the problem is able to drive in the light of what we feel, in the light of the pressure of that situation. And that's why we've got to keep the, the end result, God's blessing, God's promise, God's going to bring us through. I trust God. I believe God. What did, what did Paul in the middle of that torment, that storm that came, and they've already thrown over everything. They've thrown all the food off the ship. They've thrown all the sails off the ship, all the rigging off the ship. If the storm dies, now they're stuck out in the middle of the water with no way to even sail their ship. They've thrown it all over, and they're all ready to die. But the apostle Paul receives this visitor from God after he's prayed for God to give them uh, to give him the lives of all those people. And he said, I believe God. Nothing has changed. The wind is still howling. The boat is still empty. It's still rocking back and forth. But now he has a word to connect to. God said that none of us are going to die. The ship is going to be lost. Listen, before He's standing on the ship in the middle of the storm knowing that the ship is going to bust into pieces and be gone. But he believes that every person on that ship is going to come out alive. 
And I guarantee you those people were glad somebody on that ship knew God because if it had not been for Paul, they would have all died. But one person got a hold of God and said, God, I'm asking you to spare every life on this ship, even all of those who didn't even heed your warning. But I'm believing you in your mercy that you would save every person on this ship. Hallelujah. And that's why you can take your faith out into your aunts and uncles and your nieces and nephews and your cousins who are acting like the devil with the blue dress on. You can pray for them too. And just get the whole family. We're not going to let anybody in this family go to hell. We're going to take everybody to heaven with us. But he believed God in the midst of the storm when there was no evidence other than what God had said through that angel. Hallelujah. So these come to Jesus and they say, we perish. Jesus stood up. He calmed the wind. He rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. They ceased and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? He, they, he, he had given them the ingredients for faith. He had given it to them. Let us go over to the other side. That was the word that they were to connect to. And so in the storm, in the storm, that storm needs to hear the authority of what God's already spoken to us. No, you're not going to take me down. I'm not going under. Need can't wipe me out because my God shall supply all my need. Lack can't wipe me out. Why? Because I have abundance and no lack. The, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've got to take the word and I've got to connect to the promise, unite myself to the promise in the middle of that situation. Contact with God's word. Connect with it. Hallelujah. Now, we looked from Hebrews, but let's look from Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, and let's look at verses 26 through 31. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came unto the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So God wanted them to come back with a good report to let everyone know this is the land I've prepared for you. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. What does that mean? What does flows with milk and honey mean? That means there's enough vegetation and there's enough of all of the resources of water and vegetation for all of our cows and all of our sheep to have have plenty of room so that there's milk for everybody, right? And there's going to be enough of this vegetation that the bees are going to be in abundance, providing all of the, the for the crops to be 
prepared because you know you got to have the bees to help uh, pollinate. He said, there's going to be enough of everything you need. So all of your flocks, there's three million people that came out of Egypt, all of your flocks, you're going to have room for everybody to have their own ranch, everybody to have their own homestead. There's plenty of room and there's going to be abundance for everybody. So it's a land that flows with milk and honey. And they came back with visual proof, evidence. This is the fruit of it. And the Bible tells us that this fruit was so abundant that it took two men putting it on a stick, putting it on a, 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 um, uh, like a, whether it was some, some pictures show like they had a staff between them and they're carrying this huge cluster of grapes. And then I've also seen where they're pulling like uh, the stick behind them with a big cluster of grapes behind them. But either way, that's a big cluster of grapes. If it takes two men to carry one cluster, two men to carry one cluster of grapes, there was evidence. What God said is true. What do we do? We connect to that. God's taken us into the land that flows with milk and honey. He has given us this land. This is mine. You have a land. Your land is your inheritance. Your land is your redemption. He has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's redeemed my life from destruction. He has redeemed my body from sickness. Hallelujah. That's part of my land. So you've got this promised land in Christ. You've got this land that belongs to you. It's already yours. All that it requires is you believe it and go in. Come into the good land. Come into the good life that God has prearranged and made ready for you to live, Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified says. This good land is ours in Christ. This land of the blessing is ours in Christ. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What do we got to do? We've got to believe it. We've got to believe that all these things that he purchased in our redemption, they belong to us. We've got to take the word and put it in our heart until we believe surely he was wounded from my transgressions. He was bruised from my iniquities. The chastisement necessary to obtain my peace was laid on him. I have the peace that comes from being made whole. I will not be broken. I will not be missing in my family. I will not be broken. I will not be missing in my finances. I will not be broken. I will not be missing in my health. Why? Because the chastisement necessary to obtain my peace was laid on him. I have the peace that comes from being made whole. How do I get into the land? I've got to believe. That's all. I've got to take the word, put it in my heart until I'm convinced. Until I'm more convinced about what the word says than what my circumstance says. My circumstances lie. They're liars. Your circumstances are liars. They're not truth. God's word is truth. He cannot lie. Your circumstance will tell you you're not going to make it when God says that you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. So they came back with fruit and evidence. Verse 28, nevertheless, nevertheless means regardless of what they just said in this first verse. In this previous verse, even though they said God has made this a land that flows with milk and honey, we have fruit and evidence that 
that what God said is true about this land. Nevertheless, just, just cancel out everything I just said because the people that are in the land, they are strong and the cities are walled and very great. And we even saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountain and the Canaanites. And I owe this and I owe Sally Mae and I owe this on my car and I owe this and there's no way I can come out because I've, I've got this problem and I've got this symptom and I've got this going on in my body and this is happening and all of these things have no bearing. The wind and the waves had nothing to do with Peter walking on the water. And all of these and uh, Amalekites and children of Anak and the walled cities had nothing to do with what God had said. Had nothing to do with it. Why, why would you even put that in the equation? So if I tell you, if I, if I have a, a bowl of fruit and I bring that bowl of fruit and I set it up here and I've got a, a bowl of fruit and it's got two bananas and three apples and then over here I've got a can of mints and a bottle of water. And I say, tell me how much fruit is on the table. And you say, well, there are two bananas, three apples, two bottles of water, and a can of mints. I didn't ask you to tell me about the mints or the water. I just wanted you to count the fruit in the bowl and tell me what's, how much fruit is on the table. Don't tell me about the other things that are not involved in the equation. Because if you add those other things in, you're going to come up with the wrong answer. And if you add in all of the circumstantial information of the storm and the wind and the waves and the children of Anak and the walled cities and the Amalekites and the Jebusites and the Hittites, if you add all of them in, you're going to come up with the wrong answer because God didn't ask you to add any of that. He said, I just want you to add up fruit. Just add fruit. Just add the part that I told you belongs to you. Don't add those other things because the battle is not yours. Why would you add in the battle elements? Amen. That's my part. Yeah. Right? That's what God's saying. That's my part. That's not your part. Why, why would you add in the wind and the waves? They have nothing to do with your ability to walk in what I've called you to walk in. So they began to talk all of these other elements. Now listen. There were two people who didn't talk this way and didn't believe this way. Caleb and Joshua, they got a different perspective. They've got a different report. It says in verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. That's, that's a person who's been meditating on the fruit in the bowl. God said, this is ours, let's go now. Let's go up and possess it, for we are well able. Yeah. We are well able. Why? Because that's in agreement with what God said. We are well able to overcome it. But the, wind, the men that went up with him said, we be not able. We can't do it. We can't go there. We can't have it. I'll never get out of debt. I'll never pay this thing off. We can't do it. It's not possible. But the ones who have been meditating on what God said, 
We can do this. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. We can do this. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are able to overcome. We, God will cause us to triumph. Hallelujah. The ones who said they couldn't, didn't. The ones who said they could, did. Because your words guide your ship. They're the rudder to your ship. Your words are the rudder to your ship. And if you'll take God's words and you'll put them in your mouth, you'll get his direction on your boat. You'll end up where he's guiding you. Regardless of the storm. Regardless of the waves, the Hittites, the the Amalekites, the children of Anak, all of those other components have nothing to do. They They cannot withstand the power of God's word in your heart and in your mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll save everything else for tonight if you'll come back. Stand with me to your feet. Lift your hands to the Lord and say, thank you, Father.